my message to anyone out there is prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike. And if you get hit by a bus, I assure you, your comeback will be a lot easier if you were strong, fit, resilient when you went into this crisis. Welcome back to another episode of the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Tambrino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. In addition to being a play on words, I'm literally a mother runner. But the classy part is more about having high standards on how I behave rather than style. I'm a personal development enthusiast focusing on mindset and growth through sport. But back to why you are here. Every release, we bring you experienced guests who are connected to the community and pair their experiences with compelling research to inspire you so that you can continue to thrive through running. Our mission is to promote running as an inclusive sport, give hope to others, and motivate you to keep lacing up. I'm so glad you're here today, and I hope after listening, you'll feel motivated to subscribe to our show and share it with your friends. Finally, we love feedback, and for that reason, we highlight your reviews on the show. So don't forget to submit your ratings with comments on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream our program. Now, let's get started. Hi, and happy summer, everyone. I am really, really excited about our episode today and uh, want to get started. But before we do, um, as I said, it's summer, and I just want to make sure that everyone is remembering to stay hydrated and safe in the heat. I have personally suffered from heat exhaustion, but I didn't know what to look out for before realizing what was happening. So I figured in the intro, I would provide some information and hopefully it'll be helpful. Um, Exercise-related heat exhaustion is basically when your body can no longer get rid of the extra heat made during exercise and so your body temperature rises more than is healthy. Some of the warning signs of heat illness are feeling faint or dizzy, nausea, vomiting, and muscle cramps. And then some warning signs of the more severe heat stroke are a throbbing headache, no sweating, and uh, finally a loss of consciousness. And here are some ways you can defend yourself against the heat. So proper clothing, hydrating, and adjust your pace. Um, Also, I find this interesting, and I imagine most of you do too, is the implications of heat on racing. So temperatures between 70 and 80 degrees can significantly impact performance, and they can result in times up to 15% slower than goal pace. Um, I hope all that information is somewhat helpful Now, one more thing before we get to our episode today. I wanted to introduce to our show gratitude for your feedback. Ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners, and we appreciate you for helping us promote our message by leaving us comments like this one from Michael Runs Trails. He says, real topics that deal with a lot more than just running. It's been pretty inspiring to know my why is not so unique. Thanks, Nikki. Well, thank you, Michael, and everyone who has been kind enough to reach out. If you're interested in leaving us your thoughts and getting featured on the show, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream the show and look for a link to write a review. Now, finally, on to the show. Our next guest wants to give you a message loudly. That is briefly to prepare your body today for battle. But listen in as she shares her story and why she's making so much noise. All right, guys. Hi. I am so excited. So I recently ran the Buffalo Marathon, and as I approached my marathon weekend in Buffalo, uh, it was a few weeks ago, I had no idea that the highlight of this race was actually going to be the people that I connected with, including one of the most vibrant spirits that I've ever encountered. She was charging me and thousands of runners and spectators the entire weekend with her self-proclaimed noise. And... Uh, our guest today, Fitz Kohler, is proof that energy and attitude is a gift that we can share with others. She specializes in fitness education and has turned her passion for life into a career helping others get excited about movement. In addition to being a speaker, author, and professional race announcer, Fitz is a mother of two kids, a uh, few animals, I think, a loving wife, and a cancer survivor. I am so so excited to get started. So let's go. 
Uh, hi, Fitz. How are you? I am fantastic as per usual, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I uh, saw you in Buffalo and I actually, my first experience seeing you was, I ran the marathon. I saw you when you were announcing the 5K and I was like, uh, wow, she has so much energy. And there's the way that you were engaging with all of the runners and you seem to like know a lot of people by name. And I was just like, wow. So I color outside the box a bit with race announcing. Usually you see, um, I mean, quite typically it's a older guy sitting behind a, a table in a tent saying names. And I really feel a deep connection with our athletes, whether I know them or not. And technology does allow me, us race announcers to know people's names, most of them, but I work really hard throughout race weekends to actually introduce myself, get to know people. Sometimes it's their outfit that'll spark up a conversation or I'll just reach out and say, what are you running or what are you doing here? And uh, I, the energy is real. It's because I am so freaking excited to see every last one of you. I, I love seeing you at the start. I think that's the most uh, opportunity at a race. And then when you come through the finish line, I think, well, look, you did it as if you know, we go way back and I know your history, but it's it's just such a fun thing for me to do. And I love everybody. And fortunately, most people are receptive to my shenanigans and my hugs and my love. I haven't had anyone be like, back off, lady, but <laughs> it's it's bound to happen one day. I don't know. I think that you're in a good, uh, a good mix of people. The running community is, I think you fit right in with that uh, camaraderie and just kind of cheering everybody on. Um, I think that's just what our community is about. And we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? So I want to start off learning a little bit about you because I did uh, just read your book, um, which is uh, coming back from cancer out loud. What new the title? What? We're sorry. All circuits are busy. Please try again later. My noise, my noise. cancer comeback, running at the mouth while running for my life. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm just going to back up a little bit. Do it. All right, let's do it. Tell me a little bit about your day-to-day, -day, like your mom, and tell me about your family. Yeah, so I live in Gainesville, Florida. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, and I came up to Gainesville to be uh, to attend the University of Florida. I ended up, I finished my undergrad, and then I went back to Fort Lauderdale, and I thought, oh, gosh, and I missed really what I did. I missed the beer and the boys. I missed with Gainesville. so much fun, and I wasn't done being a college student, so I came back up, and I got a master's in exercise and sports sciences, which was one of the most valuable decisions I've ever made. And that feather in my cap has really opened up a lot of doors. And, you know, there's a lot of people claiming expertise. They've got some sort of certificate out of a Cracker Jack box, but I actually dedicated myself to that education. If I was going to manage people's spinal columns, heart, lungs, and joints, I think is a value. Um, so Gainesville is great. My husband is a police officer. He's a police lieutenant with the Gainesville Police Department. And uh, before I met him, after I met him, I, I couldn't back the blue any harder. I'm so passionate about not only our police officers, but our first responders of all sorts and our military, my country, my freedom is number one in my book. And so those who served and protect that freedom, really, I, 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 I put them number one in the yeah. world. And I have two extraordinary kids. Ginger's 19. She's a, she just finished her freshman year at UF. She's a Gator too. And has, boy, has she also had a lot of fun while doing well academically. <laughs> Uh, Parker's 17. He's six foot something gorgeous. And, and he's uh, hell bent on being an actor. And he's a good one. He's already he's already acting professionally, getting paid to do the work. So really proud of him. Wow. And then I'm a raging animal lover. So um, right now I have two dogs, as you read about in the book, I used to have a duck who Oh, you made my heart explode. She was disabled and she needed a little rescuing. And so we brought a disabled duck into our home and, and she turned into one of those things that really rescued me when I needed it. What else? I like water sports. I like being outside. I like getting dirty. I like being hot and sticky. I love my Wrangler. I just, I, the more every day, every day of my life, I become a little bit more and more of a redneck, more of my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got more dirt and more 
uh, bug spray on me that you could imagine. And, and life is good. Life is good. Oh. Um, all right. So we talked about your family and we talked a little bit about your background in fitness, but I wanted to know a little bit about what got you into fitness. Like, can you go back to like growing up? Did you, were you into fitness? Have you always been active as a kid? Like, how did this come about? Uh, how did I get into fitness? So I've always been athletic and my family was very big into sports. And when I was 14, I got to tackle playing soccer, blew my knee, knee out. I went to physical therapy before surgery and I thought she was, this is great. I really like this helping people with exercise. I like the gym environment. So I thought maybe I'll be a physical therapist. So then I had surgery, that big incision on my knee, I spent time on crutches, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I went back to physical therapy and uh, they, the PT started messing with my incision and I thought, oh, that's disgusting. I would never touch somebody's incision. So physical therapy, the medical side of fitness was, off the table for me. But then that PT recommended that I join a gym and continue strength training so I wouldn't re-injure my knee. And that, I was 14 years old. That's where I fell in love with being at the gym, doing group fitness classes. And I had been working at Cinnabon. I mean, I'm a worker bee. I've always earned a living. Even when I was five, I was cleaning offices at my dad's office and just doing this or that. I was the birthday clown at the skating rink. <laughs> But uh, I was at Cinnabon and that manager was really cranky. So I applied at Spa Lady, which was the women's fitness center I was attending. And they hired me and without any training, they said, hey, do you want to teach this class Friday night? And I, I thought, okay. And so I did. And fortunately it went well and it just, everything continued to snowball. And I taught there for a few years and while I was teaching there in high school, I continued to volunteer to teach uh, endurance training for the football, the high school football team and Girl Scout troops and just, just continue to broaden the horizons. Taught at the gym at UF, which was a big deal. And then over the summer, after my sophomore year, I taught on a cruise ship in Europe. We went through Russia and all the Scandinavian capitals, wow. England and France, and that was special. And I did some added presentations off the ship, which was cool. And then I came back to Gainesville and there was a producer hiring uh, for a TV show. And so I auditioned and I was chosen. And that's really where I fell in love with mass media. And so I, it, it, it was a limited amount of time after that, that I continued working in gyms and doing personal training. Cause really my craving, my craving is hitting the masses. I much prefer being on national television where I can in the morning, teach 8 million people some cool tools they can use to become more fit or give them some information. So I, I really, mass impact is at the top of my agenda. And that's, that's really where my career has turned over the past 20 plus years. Wow. So have you always been kind of outgoing and uh, bubbly and just comfortable in front of people? Uh, yeah, what you see is my natural personality. This is my disposition. My mom blames me. She says I was conceived at Disney World, which I'm going to lie. But she calls me the happy child, and I am. So the, the genuine joy and happy perspective is who I am. I'm not the person at a party who's making a spectacle out of myself. But professionally, if there's a microphone and a stage, I like to be on it. And uh, I think I do it pretty well, usually. Oh, that's a good point. So professionally, this bubbly personality, it, is it a little bit different than you're like? I think the version of me on a stage, which is very appropriate for a stage, would be super annoying in real life because you got to be larger than life to manage 20, 30, 40,000 people. And I'm in charge. Yeah, I'm going to need you to go ahead and turn that down. Thanks be in charge of my friends and family. I just, mm. I'd rather be a part of the, the experience. <laughs> and, you know, like, like I said, there's a lot of people who don't get that outlet. So they get to a party and it's, look at me, look at me. And I, I'll, I'll dance at a party, but quite often it's in the back of the room. And uh, it just, that fits Kohler, the stage version would be very annoying in regular life. So I'm, I'm always genuinely bubbly and happy, happy, but I keep, I keep the noise to appropriate places. We got spirit, yes we do. We got spirit, how about you? 
So it sounds like, I mean, you had a pretty healthy relationship with fitness and everything growing up and you didn't necessarily struggle with any body image. Any, did you have any of that? Oh, uh, yeah. I I was a full-blown bulimic. I was uh, a bit heavier as a teenager. So back then I wore a 13 or a 15. Now I wear between a zero and a two. And I've, I've, I've ended up losing the weight in a healthy way in my early 20s. And my, uh, my time as a full contact kickboxer really went a long way to that effort. But yeah, I, I really struggled. I had my, we had terrible eating habits. That was it. We were super active, but my parents had no regard for limiting our intake of sweets and sodas. And we just had too much. And I I was uncomfortable in my skin. I had a tummy and hips and it was just squishing out from everywhere. And when I came to school, I started learning there was a different way to be. And thanks to my master's degree, that's how I learned the exact formula for weight loss, which is just, that's what I call the science that I absorbed what I say all the time is I have a master's degree in the most simple, stupid science in the world. It's watch what you put in your mouth, move your body, get some sleep, remove the cranky people. Don't be a cranky people. And, you know, life is good if you do those things. It's, you know, there's there's a little caveats on occasion for some people, but but those are the tenants that will make you live better and live longer for sure. And mm. if they, people go to fitness.com, it's right on the cover. If you want to lose weight without diets, pills, powder, shakes, any snake oil, without paying me a red cent, just go read it. It's the math behind weight management. And so I read that and it, it resonated. And um, fortunately, I'd already kind of convinced myself not to be a bulimic anymore because I didn't deserve that and, and nobody does. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been able to keep my weight in a place that I love for many, many years since I was in grad school. So yeah, it, it hasn't always been easy. And so with all this health and fitness and being such an active person um i want to do want to talk a little bit about 2019 when you yeah. um, discovered that you had breast cancer and all that and how that impacted your views on health and fitness because i think when you're healthy and you're doing all the right things to get a diagnosis like that you're kind of like wow, I, I did all the right things like how did this you know how did this happen to me so can you talk a little bit about um about 2019 and and uh you know, that time. Yeah. So, you know, there are some cancers that are very much earned, right? And not all. So I certainly don't want to target every lung cancer patient and accuse them of inhaling bad things. But if you smoke your whole life and you end up with lung cancer, well, duh, right? Um, I've had skin cancers removed. Well, duh, I, I burned the heck out of myself. So, you know, there's lifestyle type cancers, but none of us are completely immune. And so when I got breast cancer, I mean, perhaps there's some sort of environmental thing I've taken part in or some behavioral thing that I just don't understand. But yeah, I was disappointed. Uh, but my commitment to fitness was only solidified by my diagnosis because the things I was able to do during my treatment, even though I was so very sick and I struggled so very much, you know, I had more adventure race announcing in the year and a half of my chemo than most people have in a decade. You know, because I was fit at the get-go, I wasn't hospitalized for a month. I didn't have a feeding tube. And those are things where, you know, one at one point I went into my doctor. I was getting, I had to have a blood transfusion. I had to stay overnight. It was right after the Buffalo Marathon. Everything just went south. And uh, they, they put me up in the hospital for a night. And it was pretty upsetting. And he said, Fitz, you are doing so great. And I said, I'm not doing so great. Every every morsel of my body had been affected. My fingers were, nails were ripping off. My eyelashes were gone. My stomach was a train wreck. And I said, no, I'm not doing great. He said, you are doing so great. And I said, I'm not. And he said, listen, if you weren't so healthy and fit and strong coming in, you would have been hospitalized a month ago. You know, you have been able to do all sorts of wonderful things that most patients who are not so fit would not have been able to do. So that really resonated with me. And then of course, my knowledge with fitness allowed me to rebuild my body back pretty impressively. I lost about 10% of my body weight. I was, I was pretty emaciated. It was scary. It was stressful. But because of my fitness expertise, I took baby steps. I did no harm. And uh, about a month after chemo, I ran a Spartan 5K. And a week after that, I did a triathlon. And then I don't know how many months after that, maybe a year after, I did the Boston Marathon. So. Oh. 
fitness is still uh, one of the most, well, yeah, it, it still matters. And my message to anyone out there is prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike. And if you get hit by a bus, I assure you, your comeback will be a lot easier if you were strong, fit, resilient when you went into this crisis. Laying down what's hot. Now, cancer is something that, you know, we're surrounded by. Like everybody, you probably know somebody who's had cancer or whatever. Before you had cancer, did you ever think about like, if I ever get cancer, I'm going to handle it this way or that way? You know what I mean? Uh, there was there were some things that I hadn't plotted out that I had to make uh, that, that I had to do on the fly. But the things that I think are always important to me is to control what I can. You know, so the things you think about with cancer, I mean, obviously you get diagnosed and all of a sudden you think I'm dying. I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's terrifying. And all I could think about, it wasn't even my life, loss of life I was worried about. I was so upset about not seeing my kids. Right. So those are the things that I associated with cancer. Well, if I was going to be dying of cancer, I would write the letters to my children. I would mm -hmm. record the videos for them. I would set up things in advance. My funeral would be a party. I would want an Irish wake. I would want there to be Diet Coke. <laughs> and then I'd want there to be beer. And I'd want uh, them to play Walking on Sunshine because that's my theme song. So, you know, those are the things you plot out. But really, when, when cancer hits, it's just um, there's no way to be prepared and uh, that's why you that's why you need some help from friends and and people who know what they're doing that's one of the greatest uh, gifts of the book my noisy cancer comeback is so many cancer patients receive it as a gift upon diagnosis so some yeah. people are always reaching out every single day to today right now i already have two book purchases this morning that says my friends are recently diagnosed i have a brain and a colon cancer on my list and so the book goes to them and they read it and all of a sudden they start uh, their their perspective improves and they find the positivity and they, and like I did, they keep their passions involved in their life. And I think it's really detrimental when people just stay home. And I'm so grateful my doctor never once told me to stay home. I got on 30 different flights, I think, throughout my cancer care. And I was the most immune compromised person on planet Earth. But he knew that the joy and the interactions that I benefited from with my events and my athletes, all those sweaty Jeremy hugs, he knew they were far better for me than any sort of isolation chamber would have been. So um, I, I really hope people continue to live their life as full as possible and that, that'll help get them through. And so I know that you were, you continued to stay active and do your job like through chemo and, and all that stuff. Do you think that you're, I mean, you're, you're a runner, yeah. um, right? Yeah. Um, and that obviously takes a lot of mental strength. Do you think having that mental strength going into this battle was helpful um, for fighting, uh, you know, the cancer? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the mental hardships are undescribable. And so you take a person like me, my my perspective and my positivity is off the roof. I am so pragmatic. It's absurd. So I don't. I almost don't identify with people who stress or have anxiety or depression. On occasion, I get a low and I feel like, oh, what's going on with me? But I really am so happy most of the time. And then once I got that diagnosis, the stress was really unbearable. So if you start off as a weak or, or a, a person who maybe enjoys looking at the dark side, you know, a mm -hmm. pessimistic person perhaps, it would really waste you, you know? So for me, I was able to say, okay, I'm not a kid with cancer. It's not my kid with cancer. I can do this. Did I cry every day? I cried every single day. Uh, I usually did it alone in my bathroom or my car, my car. So I wasn't superhuman, but I was able to take what was going on with me and just put it in perspective. You know, some people are hit by a bus and they're dead, right? There's, there's all sorts of really worse things happening than curable breast cancer. So whenever I started having a little bit of uh, pity come into my mind, I would think, hey, listen, there's a children's hospital, children's pediatric cancer unit right around the corner from me. That's not me. How lucky am I? It's not yeah. my kids. How lucky am I? And so mm -hmm. those type of things were great. And then um, my mantra became, I can do hard things. I had a pretty nightmarish situation with an MRI at the, at the get-go. And what I learned quickly was that 
if I wanted to survive, I was going to constantly have to do things that scared me. And a lot of those things within my treatment were very scary. So I just kept reminding myself internally, like a psychopath, I kept talking to myself saying, you can do hard things, you can do hard things. And so I'd, I'd get through it because of that. If you or someone you know is suffering with a cancer diagnosis, I think it's important to note that the purpose of Fitz's book goes beyond positivity. It's a story of grit and determination, inspiring hope to anyone needing a push to be strong and fight for their life. With her unique flair, Fitz describes her experiences with humor while being raw and real. There's no questioning that this is a valuable read for anyone battling cancer, but as she often says, everyone's journey is different. According to the American Cancer Society, optimism can improve the quality of life, but having feelings of sadness, distress, depression, fear, and anxiety are all normal feelings. For more information on the impact of attitudes and feelings on cancer, go to www.cancer.org. Yeah, and you had mentioned that the running community was uh, so helpful in your recovery. And during that time, you you called it your go-go juice, right? Because right. <laughs> they gave you um, some of that energy back, right? Yeah, I mean, there were many nights I slept on the hotel bathroom floor. I was sick. And and mind you, back in the time, I never told anybody I was sick. I just stuck with, I'm fine. I didn't, it didn't benefit anybody else to know what was going on with me. And I didn't want to burden them. And I didn't want anyone to pity me. So I just, I always said, I'm fine. But I was sleeping on the hotel bathroom floor. My alarm would go off at maybe 4 or 4.30. And I would think, God almighty, how am I going to do this? And I would put on my clothes and I'd venture out and I'd get to my start line stage. And it Every single time it was like magic. As soon as that, you know, I, I pulled the microphone up to my mouth and said, good morning. All the bad stuff that was going on with me just kind of wasted away. I didn't feel mm. sick. I didn't feel the pain anymore. None of the suffering was there. It was just joy and, you know, a, la a laser focus on all these other wonderful people and what they need and what they're accomplishing. That's, that's the best way to step outside your body and forget yourself. And I did. And not only that, but the, you know, my race directors, they did special things to help make my weekends in their towns easier. They would arrange for IV fluids in my hotel room or wow. I just, there were some chaotic things that happened. And then the runners, they showed up and took care of me. They, they brought snacks and drinks. They brought blankets. They would bring raincoats and umbrellas. So I had athletes come and just stand behind me on rainy days with an umbrella. Did I ask them to, did I need that? I, I, I would never ask for those things, but they cared. And so if I were standing in the rain with my big bald head doing my job, there was, there was someone to stand over me like I was a freaking president with an umbrella, just the kindness, um, not only from the runners, but then strangers, it just was endless. Yeah, and I, that's another thing I love about listening to some of your other podcasts and just following your journey was uh, the way that you, discovered kindness in other people. And I think it's really important to talk about that because there's so much negativity and there's been so much talk about the bad side of humanity. But I think your story really brings out the good side. And uh, one of the stories that <laughs> I remember hearing was uh, about a flight attendant. Um, can you tell that story? Yeah. So I get on my plane from Gainesville to Atlanta, which is I fly Delta out of Gainesville and you have to always go to Atlanta. So it's a very short flight, 50 minutes. And I show up and I, I never wore a wig. So I just went with my bald head wherever I went. I never wore a pink ribbon. Not once. I still don't. I didn't wear a warrior shirt or any sort of paraphernalia saying that I was on team breast cancer. I just was me with my bald head. And so I get on the plane and <laughs> Uh, and I sit in Delta Comfort. And so there's three levels. There's coach, there's comfort, there's first class. If you're in comfort, you get a little more wiggle room, better snacks. If you're in first class, you get served as soon as you sit down there. Would you like a drink? Would you like a snack? But I sit down in comfort and I actually was feeling pretty bad and glossy eyed that morning, 6 a.m. flight. And so the flight attendant comes over and says, um, directly to me, can I get you anything? And I know he knows, but I just said, no, thank you. I'm okay. Are you sure? Is there anything I can get you? I said, no, thank you. I'm fine. And, and in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I'm the poster child for cancer here. <laughs> that's why he's asking. Cause I'm not in first class. And, and that's really the only people he should be serving now. So I said, no, thank you. And he went away. And then once the flight started again, short flight, he comes over and he says, would you like a snack? Now I don't like the snacks. There's 
almonds. I mean, I like almonds, but I was not in an almond mood with my stomach that day. And then there was those Biscoff cookies, which I do not like. But I decided to accept the Biscoff cookie just because I needed something in my stomach. So I said, well, I'll have a cookie. And so with that, he puts about six cookies on my tray. <laughs> six packs of cookies. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And again, I know what I, 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 all I can imagine is this guy has like a friend or relative or someone who's going through cancer or he recently lost, but he needs to serve me. So he gives me the cookies. I'm like, thank you. So I eat my half a cookie and he goes to the back. And then on the way back up, he said, oh, oh, and he says, if I have more, I'll come back. I'll let you know when I come back. And I was like, oh God, I don't want those cookies. But on his way back, this man dropped about a dozen more packets of cookies on my tray. And it was just so sweet. And so I said, thank you so much. And then I had to awkwardly kind of fill my laptop bag <laughs> full of the cookies. I was thinking, what am I going to do with these things? But um, I, I'm walking off the plane where the pilot and the flight attendant always greet the passengers and say goodbye. And he reaches out with a closed fist and he puts something in my hand and he says, I'm rooting for you. I said, thank you very much. And I didn't look, I just kept going because there was a flow of people. And so when I got off the jetway into the terminal, I opened my hand and it was his rock. It was, I think it was a lucky rock. It was a brown speckled smooth rock. It was, it was a lovely rock. And I just thought it was meaningful to him and that made it meaningful to me. And Oh, kind, right? I got all the yeah. cookies. I have this rock, and I still have the rock. I keep it next to um, my bed. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not huge on symbol symbolism, but you know, that's just a little symbol of of this really kind, loving gesture from a stranger, and I, I value it so much. There was a lot of that. And what I love is not only that you know people showed you kindness, but that you recognized in this person that he needed to give that love to you and so you accepted it yeah and i really took that from that story was the way that you are so compassionate towards others um you know which is a tribute to who you are as a person and and everything that why you're so good at what you do but i really just loved i when i when i read or let heard that story i all i could think about was like wow well, that's kind of thinking about it in a different way, like not thinking about this person who was so kind to you, but also thinking about you and how you, you know, recognize that people really need that they need to be kind to other people and need to give love. And sometimes we need to accept you didn't like the, you know, you don't love the cookies or whatever, but you accepted it for him. You yeah. know, you accepted that kindness, not for yourself, but before him so that he would feel good because it feels good to be kind to other people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting as you're talking, it brings up, uh, and again, we've got a lot of drama going off, going on, but sometimes, you know, I think maybe women might have a problem of some, a man opening our door, or pulling out a chair, I can do that. Why not just say thank you, you know, and I'm a woman and I'm chivalrous. I open the doors for as many people as I can. And I'm happy to serve people, but pull out a chair or gather a something and bring it. I mean, I just think when someone is being nice to you, man, say thank you. Just accept it. <laughs> and, you know, you don't have to ego up. You can just say thank you. And, and that's nice. Exactly. Exactly. Let let people do things for you. I, I'm a huge I, I, you know, I do that all the time. If somebody offers something, I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, I think people want to be nice. They, it makes them feel good. Yeah. And if you don't mind, one of the other things that I really had to swallow was um, at accepting help during this time. So there was a meal train. People delivered food to my house or sent gift cards for, for Grubhub or whatever. People drove my children around. And so I'm a helper. I'm very independent. And I, I'm the one who brings meals. And I'm the one who drives people around. And then all of a sudden, there I was. And I was really too sick to drive my children safely. And really, I just needed rest when I was home. And um, making meals was not a good experience. But shopping for food was was really hard sometimes. And so I did accept some of that help. Did it did it hurt at first? It stung a little bit, but what I did is I just committed to helping everyone moving forward that I could. If if I have a friend who needs a ride to the doctor, I'll take them. You know, I will cook the food, I will send the gift card. And so sometimes you got to let go and be helped and you know, if you can pay it forward after the fact then please do. Please do. And so where you know this 
compassion that you have for other people and empathy and stuff where does that come from have you always have you been were you like a sensitive person have you always kind of been able to to feel other people and how they're feeling like do you think you have that skill it's so interesting that you say that because i'm very pragmatic and i don't consider myself sensitive or touchy at all um but man, I do love people, right? <laughs> I do love people, especially for me where thing, things really pan out is I love people who are doing the right thing. You know, so with fitness, I have to do a lot of arm twisting to convince people to exercise, to convince people to eat right. And there's so many excuses like, oh, well, I couldn't eat right because it was my birthday or I couldn't eat right because I was on vacation or I, I can't exercise because whatever. And so that's really frustrating to me. And am I... Um, always kind but my my fitness people they always uh, the nicest feedback i get is thank you for your brutal honesty so i'm considered a bit brutal when it comes to fitness mm -hmm. and i get away with that because people know i love them but when it comes to running in particular nothing is more delightful than for me to wake up and show up and a race organization says here's twenty five thousand people who think exercise is a great idea make sure they know what to do and make sure they have a great time so <laughs> it's I, how can i not be nice to these people who are carrying on the mission of my business you know this is what i do i want people to move and so uh yeah i'm not empathetic i'm not cold but i'm also not touchy feely and uber sensitive i'm i'm some weird hybrid does that make sense yeah I, I i get what you're saying but i think okay maybe you're not super sensitive or but i think you get people like you understand people i, 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 really, just, I really do care yeah and maybe that's what it is you just care and that's maybe. that's the key you, you truly do care i do and i love celebrating people golly that's such a Great gift. The fact that I get to be the first one to say, Yahoo, well done. I'm so proud of you before your parents, before your spouse, before your kids. I think it's a real luxury, a real privilege. Okay. So with running, because you, you did boxing, which kickboxing, kick, kickboxing, no. um, which is very interesting. And you were in like a different, a variety of different fitness things in the gym and classes and stuff like that. Where does running come into your life? Like, how did that come in? So interesting. I, I mean, I've, I've always run because I was an athlete, right? When I played yeah. soccer, we would warm up with a couple laps around the field. Running has just kind of been the go-to. Uh, when I was out, even as a teenager away from home, I'd go for a run to get some exercise. I would participate in uh, runs for causes here and there. Um, I created a before school walking running program. Gosh, I mean, my dates, my son was five. So maybe it was 2010. I created the morning mile, which is mm -hmm. my school running program in 400 plus schools worldwide. Um, but I think it was 2011. I really started racing more regularly. You know, it was something that turned into a bit of a, a, a passion for me, something I did more frequently. And then because of that, as I'm a sport performance expert, not just a fitness expert, I have sport performance expert. So I was teaching clinics for Run Disney. I, I virtually served as their fitness expert. So every time they had an event, I would show up and I would teach strength training for runners or pain prevention and management for runners clinics. And eventually, their race announcer, Rudy Novotny, who's the guy, who's the best race announcer on the planet. He, he was, he was at my presentations because he normally had to introduce me at the expo and he would say, gosh, you're so good. You're so compelling and you're so energetic. And finally he said, Hey, would you like to announce a race with me? I need a co-announcer in Orange County, OC Marathon in California. And I said, well, I've never done it before, but I sure would love to give it a try. And so he reached out to the race director, connected us, Gary Kutcher, wonderful man. He checked out my TV highlight reel and my website. And then we had a short conversation. He said, I would love for you to come, you know, be a part of our race this year. So, uh, so Rudy showed me the ropes and it all went really well. And I had a lot of fun and the runners seemed to respond really well. And about an hour after I yelled go, for the full and half marathon Sunday morning, Gary came over and said, can you come back next year? And there was a few other race directors there who said, hey, can you come do mine? And so it's just kind of snowballed in the best way possible. I, do, I, 
I could be wrong. I think I have the busiest race announcing schedule in the country right now. So um, bring it on. I, take me to races every weekend. I want that. What is it about the running community that, I mean, that inspires you or that you, that you, I guess you like about it? Uh, well, a billion things, but uh, <laughs> I do not enjoy excuses. I just, they, they, that's the thing that makes my skin crawl as excuses. And the fact that so many athletes come out and they they don't find excuses not to, they find reasons to. And so I, I respect our speedsters up in front. I always give them their a champion's welcome. But my day gets better and better the further out we go and the the deeper into our field. I love the back of the pack. I'm just, oh gosh, I love our runners. And they're 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 everybody, right? It's every type of person, every color, every age, every fitness level. And, um, you know, here comes Susie Q running with no legs. Oh, right. Okay. There's my 400 pound, 400 something pound guy doing a half or full marathon. Okay. I've got 90 some, many 90, 90 year olds in the past month finishing my races. So, I mean, that's what I love. I just, I, I, I learned early on to associate up my, my kickboxing trainer, when I was fighting, he said, always associate with people better than you and, um, you'll continue to improve. And I find that, that on race day. Even if there's 18,000 runners, I feel like at that day, they're all better than me and I am associating up. It's a real privilege. Look me square in the eyes and tell me you love me. So you've obviously done a ton of races. Are there any races that you haven't done that you want to do? Sure. I really would love to um, announce the majors. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I Volume is great. You know, I love 20,000 runners. I would love 50,000 runners. So uh, yeah. yeah, the big ones, Any anything huge, I'd be happy to add to my schedule. Awesome. And do you have any personal uh, things on your bucket list that you want to do as far as uh, distance or anything, uh, personal goals with running? Personal goals with running. Uh, I would love to be able to run in my 90s. You know, that would be great to be one of those those cute grannies out on the course that everybody's so excited to see. Uh, my real delight comes in obstacle course racing. So I'm, I do 5Ks, 10Ks, half some, and one full. Um, but I love dirt. I love dirt. I love mud. I love, I love laughing. And I think OCRs allow me to laugh a lot. I think people think, oh, they're tough and you got to do CrossFit and, you know, when I get out there and it takes as long as it takes for me to go to point A to point B, I don't care. I know, I, I, I just did a 10K in Montana about a month ago. I never even looked at the results. I have no idea how long it took me to go the distance. Oh. And um, there was two extra miles added. We call them the bonus, the free miles. But yeah, you laugh so much and you fall down and, and you have to work with other people sometimes. I, I always feel like, my my proof of success is the amount of dirt I have on my body when I'm done. So yeah, more of that, more of that. That's so far that you don't even know your race results. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that's amazing. And you had such a good time. So for that's you, it's it. all about fun. And so when I re retired from fighting, which was very intense, I mean, imagine standing in a ring with someone who wants to knock you unconscious, you know, the yeah. facial trauma, the head trauma, there's a lot of real um, severe risks that could and often do come along with fight sports. When I retired from that, I just thought, F it. I want to be fit. I want to have a healthy body. I want athletic adventure. And every ounce of competition fell out of me. Uh, so I don't care. I don't, I certainly don't think anyone is basing their opinions on me professional, professionally by my finish times. If you do, you're missing the bus, you know, you're missing the bus. I am out purely for me, purely for a good time, purely to have a healthy body. And uh, yeah, that's, I don't even own a watch. I have no watch. I have I go exercise and I have no idea how much I've done and I don't care. That's great. Yeah. That's, I love that. Um, do you have any favorites? I don't know if you can say favorites, favorite races or any, anything that, you know, you think is don't miss this. Uh, don't miss this race. Yeah. And, and I've got a quick handful. I'll target. I love the Los, Los Angeles Marathon. It's my largest race, but it's massive energy. And that start line is raucous. It is the happiest place on earth on that day. LA Marathon, for sure. They have a new finish line. I prefer it to the old one. So LA Big Sur is the most posh, luxurious, 
um, beautiful, breathtaking running experience you'll ever ever have. And uh, I'm so blessed to be the race announcer for Big Sur. Um, OC Marathon's a great beach party. Buffalo Marathon, as you saw, is the most patriotic race, all red, white, and blue. And we have so many activities and even come out and just watch the dog run. Just Oh my God, that was the best part. That was so cute. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's literally something for everybody from birth till a thousand and, you know, Buffalo is amazing. Gasparilla is a big old pirate party. If, if you love to get dressed up and then drink a lot of beer when you're done, Gasparilla is great. And it's Florida, which, uh, you know, I may be partial, but I think is pretty special. And then right now I have the DC superhero run series bouncing around the country. And it is, you talk about pure fun. People show up to these races dressed as Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman, and they're dressed in the gear. And we do costume contests and trivia and all sorts of fun games. And it, it's it's a fun superhero themed party with a 5K built in. So um, I could I could really go on, but that's my short list for today. Oh, I think that's great. And I need to do all of them. I yep. think I don't think I've done any of yes. them I, uh, except for Buffalo. Um, and Okay, another question I had was, if there was anyone you could announce with that you haven't announced with before, can you think of anyone? Yeah, absolutely. So, so proud to work with Rudy Novotny as much as possible. He, we're Team Noisy and he's the best. So we're, we have this perfect chemistry, but Mike Riley, the voice of Iron Man, he also has great charisma and knowledge and a deep passion for our athletes. So I think Mike and I would have a great day, whether we were hosting a 5K together or Ironman World Championship, doesn't matter. I'd love to work with Mike. Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Can you leave us with where people can find you, um, get your book, which is very inspiring um, and a great, I think it is a great gift to give somebody who's going through it because it's just a real honest look at what you went through. Yeah. And it's kind of funny too, or there's a lot of like laugh at me type things. Oh yeah. <laughs> so my home base is always fitness.com, F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com, but I'm at fitness on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. So easy to find there. And if you follow, say hi, because I'd much rather have friends than just followers. So please say, I heard you on Nikki's podcast. I wanted to say hi. That would uh, please me greatly. And then my Noisy Cancer Comeback is available in all formats, hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. You can get it wherever books are sold. But if you would like me to sign a copy of your book, hard or paperback, buy it at fitness.com. And I sign them all. Everybody gets the I Can Do Hard Things sticker along with their book. And I send them out in really pretty pink packages and try to make them special for each person. That's so cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. We look forward to following you. and seeing what you're up to next and hopefully seeing you at one of your, uh, your next races. Thank you, Nikki. I will see you at a finish line somewhere soon. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. And now it's time for final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, your obligation to you is to continue to do, do better and be better. And that's in every aspect of your life. So your personal situation, your work life, your, your sports, uh, do better and be better. Just con constantly move that needle a little bit further, whether it's nutrition or sleep or exercise. But, you know, settling is for the birds. I'm not a big fan of settling. I'm not a big fan of excuses. Uh, but your obligation is to you and nobody else can do this stuff for you. So just find little places to continuously improve. Remember that you can do hard things. And if you need somebody to celebrate your accomplishments, I'm happy to be that person we've got to do never have i ever let's do it all right let's do it now this is the running edition uh and so these are all going to be running related never have i ever run every day in a week true oh all right uh never have i ever run as a bandit racing without registration never never ever. okay uh never have i ever performed oh it's not rocket false <laughs> uh, all right i i have not i i just can't get down i don't know how to do it i just make a mess if you know I what 
I also spit a lot. When I start running, I just Are you on the side of the road. I don't know. I, <laughs> that I can see. This I just never got down with the snot rocket. Um, how about never have I ever tripped when running and was seen? Oh, super false. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never have I ever gone number one outside. Oh, just in general. No, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm country. Yeah. I'm in the woods. <laughs> Not at a race, but in the woods. But yeah. The, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who hasn't done that? Come on. Sorry, mom. Uh, this one, never have I ever had a black toenail from running. Boss, I've had many. I had my first one um, after Buffalo. I've never had one before, and I prided myself in like my feet. I was like, I never had that problem, and and I had one. I was like, wow, this is a thing. I don't know if you remember me telling you at the start line, but uh, all toenails go to heaven. So <laughs> I do remember that. Um, never have I ever literally run errands never so i did one time in a snowstorm actually run a letter to the post office okay. well, on that yeah um <clears throat> never have i ever run after 10 p.m or before 5 a.m false i have for yeah. certain yeah um all right i'm just gonna do a few more i could do this all day um never have i ever uh let's see vomited from running False. While training for Boston, I actually ended up with heat exhaustion and I pu puked for a good seven miles on the way back to my car. So I definitely vomited from running. Oh, that is no fun. Um, <laughs> never have I ever completely matched my running outfit. Hmm. You know what? False because, well, I don't know. Never have I, have I matched it perfectly or... Yeah, never have I ever matched it perfectly. Have you? I definitely matched and I definitely don't match. I have a treadmill and I often just get on in bra and underwear and Lord knows what that looks like. So yeah. I'm a, oh, that's I'm, funny. Mm -hmm. That's I. You know what? So I can say that I've actually done that too. I am, okay, so this is, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I'm such a lazy, like for being a runner, like I will actually where to bed what I and get up and run and what I wore to bed. Like I've definitely done that before. Okay. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share the show if you enjoyed this content. Oh, and tag us on Instagram and Facebook so that we can thank you for helping us to grow and reach more people with the intention of providing hope to others through our community. Together, we can show others that running and our community will help. Have a great run, everybody.